Okay, thanks for tuning in to a special podcast edition. In this episode, we discuss some of the measures from Singapore Budget 2023 that will impact small business owners and their employees. I'm Dinesh and I have my colleague Sashi with me to digest some of the measures announced. Okay, so DPM Lawrence Wong stated in his speech that you know we have found a way through the pandemic. So in a good way, we are no longer seeing any measures targeting those affected by COVID-19. In fact, you know, the team for this year's budget is moving forward in a new era. So I presume that this new era is the post-COVID-19 era and also the era of high inflation. So diving into it, one of the major announcements for me was the increase in CPF monthly salary ceiling. So it was increased from $6,000 to $8,000 and it will be done over four years. So in September this year, it will increase to $6,300 in 24. It starts to go to $6,800 in 25, $7,400 and in 26, the maximum $8,000. So Sashi, ultimately this will make more costly for businesses to hire local workers. Are you surprised by this measure? I won't say I am surprised because the current CPF monthly salary contribution ceiling of 6,000 is based on the last revision we had in 2016. So it has been seven years now and I don't believe it should take anyone by surprise. We have to remember that the ceiling is meant to cover up to the 80th percentile of resident incomes. According to the Key Household Income Trends 2022 report published by the Department of Statistics, the median household income per household member from 2017 to 2022 grew by 11.9% cumulatively or 2.3% per annum in real terms. Today, the median gross income from work is $5,070 compared to $4,056 in 2016. So the change in contribution ceiling is warranted. But again, we have to bear in mind that the changes will take effect in phases over four years before we reach the $8,000 ceiling. And this should give businesses enough time to adjust to the changes. Based on our calculations, we have found that in 2023, it will cost businesses up to $204 more in CPF contributions for each worker earning more than 8K that they employ. And by 2016, it will cost businesses up to $4,080 more so yes, it will cost businesses more. But given that the CPF annual contribution limit remains unchanged at $102,000, we feel that businesses may not necessarily incur higher wage costs if they are currently paying close to the maximum employer CPF contribution limit of $17,340. With the new CPF monthly salary contribution limit, employees will be able to achieve their retirement savings in CPF faster given the compounding effects of the accumulated interest. For companies, it may mean paying a little more upfront each month versus a lump sum at the end of the year. Yeah, I guess you have a point there, right? The main thing is that it shouldn't affect any employees earning below $6,000 and the main beneficiaries are actually employees earning between $6,000 and $8,000. Because if you're earning more than $8,000, you should have been close to reaching the maximum CPF contribution limit anyway, given a few months of bonuses. So given those folks' salaries, they wouldn't be impacted too much as well. Yes. So this is really a love letter to middle-income Singaporeans, right? If you're earning between $6,000 and $8,000. Yes, so they do have a higher monthly CPF contributions from that. It's quite timely as well since inflation has been eating into our lives and it's becoming a bit harder to reach the CPF retirement sums. We also see that this wasn't the only area where CPF was a main highlight. Even before Budget 2023, we saw platform workers being introduced into CPF contribution scheme. So from tail end of 2024, platform workers will have to start mandatory CPF contributions and platform companies will have to start making these contributions for their workers, right? Yes. And also another measure that is similar to this is the raising of CPF rates for older workers. 
So this again is a measure that has been announced previously. And I think DPM Wong just said that given the long tail of this increment up to I think 2030 is the maximum timeline he wants to increase it to, you'll go ahead with the 2024 increase. So that's another way that companies and businesses will see raising costs for the same employees, right? Yes. Do you think this is too much of a burden for companies? Again, the question becomes why the government is raising the CPF contribution rates. The government did forward Singapore exercise over the past year to understand the desires and the aspirations of Singaporeans and retirement adequacy was identified as one of the focal issues which this year's budget looks to address. So for platform workers, the government has addressed them because they are identified as a vulnerable group as they are not accorded with the same employment benefits as regular workers. So this budget with, with the contribution of the CPF and we all know that CPF is one of our social security system not just for our retirement needs for our housing and medical needs as well. With these mandatory CPF contributions, these platform workers will now have more savings for their housing and medical needs. Yes, it will impact platform companies, right, who are running maybe on thin margins, but ultimately as workers or platform workers, they will be able to have more savings, more income from this contribution, and the government is looking to take care of their needs as well through this budget. Similarly for senior workers, it was also identified that retirement adequacy was their priority as well because as more of us are living longer, our retirement sums may not be sufficient to last our lifetimes. So as more workers are working longer, having higher CPF contribution rate will help these older workers to save more because this money, we have to remember, goes to their special account. So yes, the companies will in the long term have to incur a higher cost, but at the same time, they should also change the way they are operating and be more productive and let their employees take upscaling and rescaling to take on higher level of work. Yeah, I guess it's interesting that you bring up productivity. So I read some news articles and they termed this year's budget as a family-friendly budget. One of the reasons why it was termed this way was because of the extension of paternity leave. From two weeks, it's going to become four weeks now with an additional two weeks on a voluntary basis and it will start for children born in 2024 then the fathers can start taking this paternity leave. And at the same time, I think they also increase the unpaid infant care leave. This will also increase from 6 days to 12 days, so they double it as well. Talking about productivity, I know the government will be bearing the cost of these employees going on extra paternity or the employees themselves will be bearing an extra week of unpaid leave for their infants. But businesses itself will suffer from three weeks loss of this employee in their companies. Presumably, this will affect productivity. So do you think this is a fair number, a right number? Okay, I believe that not all costs should be calculated from a dollars and cents perspective, right? Especially when we're talking about family here. And having additional paternity leave options and the unpaid infant care leave, I mean, I just want to inject here by saying that I recently had two kids as well, so I'm welcoming of this additional leaves. It's not that I'm against it, but I'm just wondering, you know, how much is too much or how little is too little? Naturally, fathers didn't get that much of leave because they are not the sure. ones I think taking the childbirth on. We don't have to recover from it, right? Yeah. The physical recovery, we don't have that, that portion to yeah. worry about. Yeah, so this extra paternity leave of four weeks gives fathers a bigger role to play in raising their children as they're able to spend more time and strengthen their bonds with their children. So that's what companies should consider instead of looking at the cost alone. And if you were to think about the intangible benefits, such as these leaves will be more important to young working fathers to bond with their child, and they will be more motivated and they will appreciate the support that companies provide them during this time of need, especially when you have young children like yourself, you will know they tend to fall sick more often. Yes, or, definitely. Right? And, you know, it is just a helping hand for the mom as well, right? She's not the only one who's going to take care of the child. And the dad comes in, helps and supports. So 
I'm sure that fathers will be appreciative of companies who accords them with this additional leave. And having that intangible benefit will then translate to potentially better productivity and loyalty from their employees. I think you're right. I mean, happier workers are always more productive. But another part of the productivity question comes up in another part of the budget speech, actually. So in this part, BPM Wong actually mentioned that you know employers will be required to consider staff requests such as flexible work arrangement fairly and properly. So I'm not sure what fairly and properly means, but he said he'll be implementing some guidelines for flexible work arrangements by next year. So while the pandemic has shown that it's possible for many of us with a variety of job scopes to work from home, especially when push comes to shove in a pandemic, is this something that should be mandated for companies or should companies have more flexibility in the way they roll out this to employees that they want to or maybe not even want to? Okay, so basically this mandate for flexible arrangement is part of the tripartite standards, which is a new initiative that's meant to help organizations with good practices distinguish themselves. So I believe that this mandate might be necessary to force companies to consider these flexible arrangements rather for them to completely dismiss these options. So having this mandate will then force them to think about it rather than say no to them. So ultimately, I do believe companies will be given some allowance to make the decision on whether an employee's request for flexi work arrangement is fair. Like what you mentioned, the fair and properly definition. So discretion will still remain with the companies, but they are now being forced to at least consider. And so I don't think this requirement should bear too heavily on employers. I think in the past, I've always seen that one of the top priorities of especially younger workers, they would prefer more flexible work arrangements. And typically, when you talk about flexible work arrangements, it's not just working from home, right? There's many ways to work on a flexible work arrangement. I think there's part-time, there's also shared job scopes that they can they can work on. So I think part of the answer actually, you know, is being more open to different types of employees that an employer can employ, especially in Singapore where we have a rapidly aging population as well. There needs to be a balance and I think some of the power still needs to reside in the company's hands when rolling up these schemes. Okay, so this year's budget was also focused on SMEs. The big push was for them to enter the new era. And so while there's not much information on some of the schemes announced, like the National Productivity Fund, which will be boosted by a top-up of $4 billion, and also a new enterprise innovation scheme that will enhance tech deduction for companies. How will such schemes impact SMEs? And by default, how will it help their employees to thrive in the marketplace? Yeah. As measured by DPM and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong in this year's budget, the geopolitical context has shifted recently from one of openness in global commerce to one that is nationalism and protectionism-centric. This, he claimed, would be less hospitable to small economies like Singapore and we have to adjust to this new era by repositioning our economy. New initiatives like the National Productivity Fund and the enterprise innovation schemes that you mentioned would help companies scale up and expand beyond Singapore. And I believe this will in turn help create more employment opportunities and higher paying jobs in the new economy for workers. And workers have to be adaptable by being willing to go for reskilling and upskilling opportunities that would enable them to perform these roles. I think you're definitely right. The new era will be one that is having workers to be more digitally savvy. And I think another part of it is also having to live with higher inflation. And like you mentioned, if they tap on these schemes and embrace uh, productivity hand in hand, it can go with higher wage increases. So in essence, cost of living is going up, which itself was a major focus at the Singapore Budget 2023. And listeners out there, you can go to our website at dollsandcents.sg to read a little bit more about the measures that were implemented for individuals out there. All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dollars and Cents podcast and see you next time around.